Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Michelle Corey and she describes herself as, wait for it, a relentless persuader, a strategist, speaker, a writer, and a branding consultant. She recently left a corporate gig to go off on her own and has definitely found the pleasures of what it's like to work 12 to 14 hour days. She also has a multicultural background ranging from Argentina to Colombia to even parts of Syria. Today, we're going to talk about identity, what it's like to be a multiracial generational or globalized generational mass, and what it, exactly it is to build your brand in the digital age. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. I love that intro. <laughs> well, the intro is definitely who you are. So I'm definitely... Uh, Excited to have someone like you on the show. A lot of the guests do tend to identify with several cultures, but you in particular identify in a special way. Can you share a little bit about your background? Yes, I am a first generation American and my mother is Colombian. My dad was Argentinian and then my grandparents. So my dad's parents were from Syria and Argentina with a, she was first generation Argentinian. So she was Spanish. And then my grandparents on my mom's side were from Guatemala and Colombia. And so I'm just, I call myself a mutt. And I think a lot of your listeners can relate to that feeling. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Miami. So I grew up very, very entrenched in my Latin culture. And so it's been an interesting experience being American born and being raised in the US, but kind of living part time in Bogota, Colombia, because we'd go back uh, multiple times a year but raised in technically an American culture, but in a basically a South American city, which is Miami. Um, and now I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and sort of I straddle the fence between not understanding American cultures, but being very American in other ways. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun life. <laughs> no, for sure. I definitely understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't get it. So um, it I, I just decided very recently to stop explaining myself, you know? Yeah. Now, and, you know, the reason why I wanted you to, to share your story there is because, obviously, yes, a lot of people do talk about what it's like to grow up in all these cultures. But the idea of identity is something that's 
not being talked about enough. I often, yeah. I often joke in, well, it's not a joke, but it ends up being a joke. I, I say, you know, growing up the way I did, you know, all these cultures at such a young age before I was even 18, I had an identity crisis. But then mm-hmm. the, you know, aha moment for me was when I was able to turn that identity crisis uh, into a gift, you know, a gift to connect across cultures, a gift to be a bridge between several barriers. But there are not a lot of people that do end up seeing it that way because, you know, because of the identity, people start to say, you're not this enough, you're not that enough, get away from us, get away from that. So I'm curious, how did you embrace your full identity and what was the path to get there? You know, Tayo, I think you bring up a really good point of this for TCKs, you know, third generation kids to have this identity crisis. And I think it hit my sister, for instance, a lot harder than it hit me. And I think it depends on what your personality is. I have always been, I kind of like popped out of the womb just being like, this is me. And, (laughs) you know, like my sister's like a little bit more reserved and, um, it was harder for her, especially being the first of the two of us. She's older. And for me, it was always like people picked on me. It was very difficult because I was bullied pretty severely in school for a multitude of reasons, but also because it was hard for others to relate to me uh, with the perspectives that I had gained very naturally by being this like global citizen, if you will. And So my journey of identity was always riddled with others telling me I wasn't enough in different ways. And so finally, honestly, as an act of survival, I was like, well, too bad if I'm not enough for you because this is who I am, you know? Yes, I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah, that's part of that rebellious spirit that I have always just had. And I'm very, very thankful for it because it, it helped me survive what would have been a, a much more difficult identity crisis. You know, it's, it's crazy. So for me, I, I, you know, I always say I was this skinny Nigerian kid. At the age of 10, I was a skinny Nigerian kid in a, with a Nigerian accent in a French-speaking country in an American international school going through puberty. And My Lord. I, you know, I know that was me at 10 years old, and I was, like, figuring things out, and I finally got to the point where I was, like, sort of cool, you know? I wasn't like a cool kid, but I was able to mingle. And then I came back to Nigeria. Then I wasn't Nigerian enough because I had a different accent. And it was at that Mm -hmm. point, I was like, you know what? What you just said, this was when I was 15, 16. I was like, I'm not changing anymore. I just went through the whole process of doing something that could make me connect. And now I have to come here to really explain to the place where I was born that I'm not that enough. I was like, nah, you're going to have to accept me for this or not. And um, it's funny now, after years of, uh, of, you know, that's a long time ago, high school. I mean, we're both millennials, but high school, I want to say it was 15, I just turned 28. So yeah, it was about 13 years ago. So it was moments now people come back to me and say, hey, you know, I used to make fun of you for doing that now, but I can see why it's important in today's world. And I just used to look at them and say, well, that is so interesting how you changed your mind on uh, Mm -hmm. the idea of making fun of someone else for having all these different cultural backgrounds. But, you know, yeah, it's it's kind of like the the typical the typical situation where the most the quirkiest kids in high school end up being the most interesting adults. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, I, I've always been quirky, a weirdo. People like never, even the people closest to me, like never quite understand me. Um, I'm like a moving target, and I'm very very comfortable with being that. And it took a long time to be comfortable with that. Absolutely. Uh, you before the before we got on the, the the interview, you talked about you wanting to express the importance of what it's like to be the first globalized generation on mass. Can you elaborate? 
Yeah, I think it's fascinating because I think our generation of third culture kids are just very mixed uh, people. We are a conundrum to a lot of people, and that can cause some feelings of discomfort in those people or fear. There's just xenophobia en masse because the world keeps getting smaller and larger at once, which is the, the beauty of the duality of this earth that we live on. Everything has its yin, has its yang, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really important. Now, what you're doing, for instance, is critically important because, first of all, we need to realize that we're the first generation that en masse brings multiple cultures, multiple ways of living, multiple ways of enjoying this earth together into one person. And so I think traditions take on new meaning. Identity takes on a much more fluid meaning. Meaning, And, you know, I would actually disagree with you. I think we're talking about identity more than ever these days, whether it be sexual, gender, racial, ethnic identity. And we're having some really interesting conversations, at least in the United States. You know, I go back to Colombia and I visit with my uh, cousins over there and they don't really get how we see identity in the United States and how we separate ourselves by all these different definitions here. Um, and, and which is interesting because I think the United States is so unique in just how diverse it is and how many cultures come together in one country. And I think a lot of our issues as a nation are rooted in the fact that we're still operating out of our primal tribal brains and that just doesn't apply anymore. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like our village isn't separated by tribe anymore. Our village includes all of these different people who within themselves have all of these different tribes that have come to create this like beautiful, incredible, unique human being. So I think it's interesting. It's important for us in our generation and us multicultural people to start empowering each other, to embrace all the interesting aspects of ourselves and of our backgrounds, because it makes for very well-rounded intellectual and open tolerant people when we embrace ourselves for who we are yeah now we're talking to michelle Corey here who describes herself as hurricane michelle uh and (laughs) one of the reasons i definitely know first of all i agree that it is talked about um more than as before what i was trying to say is the idea that maybe it's because i do a lot of diversity and inclusion that i i talk to a lot of people who tend not to relate to uh, multicultural backgrounds, and they, they start to say things like, oh, it's identity politics, or you all are just the same. You know, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's no, I'm, I'm doing this <laughs> fake accent. But so, and whenever I also talk to people from foreign backgrounds, they, they often, you know, for example, I'm Nigerian. Being black has always been something that I've always been. So when you come here, you, you realize that, oh my goodness, oh, there is like, you're, you have to really say that you are, because, you know, before, when you grow up in a country of 180 million people where most of the people already look like you, you don't have to worry about checking a box or anything. And so a lot of foreigners that I talk with and some people that are that don't identify as multi-generation, they tend to to wonder about what it is to be identity, uh, what that actually means or why people express it so much. But you are right, you know, given a lot mm-hmm. of the, the recent political um, <laughs> election uh, and the results of that, there have been a lot of people who've come out. Uh, to just say, hey, this is me. This is who I am. I'm not going to let you say things that ruin my whole people anymore. I'm actually going to stand up and embrace what I do. And 
that's why I think what you're doing as a storyteller is very important. I think people are starting to own their stories more and starting to represent their stories on, on a larger um, in a, in a larger media so that people can definitely identify themselves in, in, in those stories. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly why why I have the Cultured Podcast is I think art and culture are a natural part of human expression and just the human experience in general. And I think by humanizing the arts and humanizing the people who are behind those art forms and all of the different perspectives behind those art forms and different cultures that influence those art forms, we can start to appreciate differences as beautiful and appreciate other ways of doing things as fascinating and intriguing rather than scary or wrong. Because there is no wrong, right? Other than like basic morality. (laughs) You know, I don't, I'm not a proponent of murder. That's terribly Uh, uh, wrong. Okay. I wasn't uh, wasn't sure, Michelle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not a proponent of murder. Um, But I am a proponent of dance and theater and, and fabric art, textile arts and There's so much out there to appreciate. And I think when you, like you, are raised seeing all of these different cultures around the world, it's almost, we don't understand how xenophobia could exist. You know, it's like the opposite. The mirror is really like, how are you scared of the other? Don't you see that that's beautiful and it makes you feel smaller in a very humbling way it makes you realize there are a billion there's an infinite number of worlds little microcosms out there and there's just so much to see and learn yeah no when i was as a kid my dad my dad's a diplomat retired diplomat he used to say the world is bigger than you and the sooner you understand that the more you'll you'll um, succeed in it and yeah i totally agree yeah, yeah i've started to realize that more and i think the work that you're doing is not only creating these experiences for people to explore the world, but it's also humanizing people. I think a lot of times, whether it's xenophobia, racism, sexism, we've dehumanized people to think that we can lower ourselves over them. And when you start to really humanize them with the stories that you're sharing, um, it's great. I mean, um, so I I really want to commend you for your work as a hyper creative. (laughs) Thank you. As you describe yourself, um, talking to Michelle Corey here, and she... She is a self, uh, self-described hyper-creative, but she loves to paint, sing, sketch, build furniture, and she's the host of the Cultured Podcast, which you just touched on. What else was the genesis of you launching the podcast, and what do you hope the po- what do you hope for the podcast to achieve? You know, like you mentioned earlier, I consider myself a storyteller, uh, which is a buzzword right now, and that's okay. I'd rather storytelling be a buzzword than anything else. Um, and the reason I call myself a storyteller is because I have been telling stories in a multitude of ways, basically since I could write and uh, read. So I, I started as a little poet, <laughs> like a little book of poetry from when I was 11. That's really stunning stuff. You know, like I love my dad. He is so rad, like really beautiful <laughs> poetry. <laughs> and then I started just uh, reading, devouring old literature. I'm an esp- especially a fan of old English literature. And um, then I started that metamor that catalyzed my career in public relations because I was in theater. And when I left theater, I decided to go into PR to, you know, I thought it was a good creative 
uh, amalgamation of both writing and putting on a show, sort of, sort of, so to speak. And so I did PR and wrote and told other people's and brand stories through that. And then I became a uh, the editor of a magazine called Where Atlanta and Where Nashville, both of those magazines. And so I was literally telling stories about people and makers and uh, different things going on around town. And then uh, six months ago or so, I launched uh, into my own business and I became a marketing and communications consultant. So I do content development, brand consulting, uh, public relations, and everything in between. I'm a full service uh, marketing agency basically but we're like a team of two or three and I specialize actually in podcast marketing because it can be so the wild wild west and there really isn't there aren't precedents for podcast marketing but then I also decided I needed a way to tell stories where my word count wasn't being cut so I've been simmering on starting a podcast for a while and that was inspired by the fact that as a magazine editor I would write stories and I would want to write the full story obviously and capture the complete essence of whatever story I was telling but word counts are getting shorter and shorter and shorter and attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter and so those kind of feed each other so podcasting to me is a really beautiful way of connecting unlike any other medium with your audience and telling a story where you can bring in the actual hero, the actual protagonist of your story and talk to her and, and explore her background and, and allow her to have her platform to yeah. tell her story. So uh, that was what led me to the cultured podcast. And for me, there was no other, I mean, there was no consideration about what I was going to talk about. I am an arts and culture fiend. I am a culture vulture as I call myself. And so that's, that, that's how the cultured podcast was born. Yeah, no, podcasting is definitely a game changer. It's, I mean, it's yeah. biased. Obviously, it's what launched my career. Uh, so right. I'm, de- <laughs> I'm, de- I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely co-signing on that. Also, the barrier to entry is very low. But, right. Yeah. 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 Hey, something I want to talk to you about. You, you sort of hinted at it there. You said six months ago you left a job. You were working. Um, where were you? you were- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Working as an editor in what magazine? Where Atlanta and Where Nashville. Where Atlanta and Where Nashville. And I kind of want you to elaborate on what that journey has been like. A lot of people have the romanticized version of, of entrepreneurship. But there is another side of that that doesn't get talked mm-hmm. about enough. The grind, the grit, what it takes, what the sacrifice is. And I'm curious, since you know, you're, you're a relatively new entrepreneur, what is it uh, that you can share with people that are aspiring to launch their own businesses, aspiring to actually step out of a corporate gig 
to do something that could be considered scary and at the same time exciting? Man, that is a big question. And it is, I totally agree with you that entrepreneurship is romanticized and I, I blame Instagram <laughs> and other social media because we all want to like look real good on those mediums. And, and there is a fake it till you make it kind of mentality that I actually do believe in. Like, believe that you can do it and you can do it, right? Um, and so there is a sense of glorifying yourself a little bit to give yourself the courage to keep going. However, the I think a lot of people understand that when you become an entrepreneur, you have to work long hours and you have to make sacrifices. I think people are starting to get that now, right? Because there's like a lot of us doing this now. But what I think a lot of people don't understand and what a lot of people don't talk about is the fact that like you really have to have faith. You really have to flow in the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship. There are going to be months where you're flush and there are going to be months where you are not getting an income and you're like, uh, what am I going to have to do to make money right now? Like, what do I have to drive Uber? Do I have to? Dr and thank God those technologies exist. It makes it so much easier to sustain yourself. But like, do I have to anything? But then all of a sudden, if you if you stop freaking yourself out in those moments and just keep doing what you're doing, the money will come. The clients will come. You just have to believe and flow. And I know that sounds very um, abstract, but it's it's worked for me thus far. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people I know that because they take it easy, they trust in themselves and the universe and they, they just keep pushing forward in the way that they know will yield results. The results do come. So I think that's, that's, that's been the most, um, that's been my biggest lesson since going out on my own. Now I will tell you the beautiful side of it is the reason I left my job is because it was extremely, extremely stressful. And I was, there were extremely um, unreasonable expectations put on me as one person. And I was doing this all to make a corporation money that, and a corporation I didn't feel valued me at all. And I woke up in the middle of the night, like at 3 a.m., with a, with an anxiety attack, just woke up into an anxiety attack. And I am very, I covet my mental health very much and I am very protective over my mental health and I do not think that it is ever okay to wake up in an anxiety attack out of your sleep, out of your rest. And so I actually woke up in the middle of the night and started planning my escape, you know, and putting <laughs> together a budget at three o'clock in the morning and saying, okay, if I only drove Uber or Lyft for an entire month, how much would I have to drive to make enough money to sustain myself? Let's say I had zero clients and I realized that I could sustain myself by doing something like driving Uber or Lyft. And that's when I realized there is no excuse. I can do this. I am, I can be fearless and I am a hustler. I've always been an entrepreneurial spirit. So I don't think everyone can do it, frankly. I don't think, well, everyone can do it. Not everyone is cut out for it. And you have to know yourself truly because if you covet the security and safety and stability of a steady paycheck and of a large institution that provides you both community and belonging, then I would definitely recommend you stay within a corporate world or similar. But if you are a nomadic spirit 
And if you are somebody who can flow, even if you have to learn how to do that, and if you are comfortable enough with discomfort, which entrepreneurialism is constantly uncomfortable, whether you're making enough money or not, every day is humbling because every day brings you a new challenge and every day brings you a new lesson if you allow yourself to see it that way. So it's an extremely humbling experience and one that honestly, with all the ebbs and flows, with all the long hours, this is my dream life. This is my dream come true. Wow. Wow. Well said. Faith, flow, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. And, and you are right about the options. I was um, talking to, to a friend of mine and we were bonding over the fact that, you know, we've both had mutual initial difficulties setting uh, setting up our careers initially. And and now, you know, mine is thankfully good. But before I got there, um, and I'm working on a story on this, I, I had moments where I had a, first of all, I had the cold sweats moments as well, where I woke up at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was, before, that was the catalyst, one of the catalysts before I've, I moved to New York City to launch a job. But during the entrepreneurship period, I've been fired twice. I've um, nearly lost my life. I've owed, oh. I, owed the IRS money. I had to borrow money from family friends. I've considered Craigslist jobs. I've, <laughs> I've, right? gone, I've gone to co-working spaces to eat food because that was the only place I could see that they had cereal and I didn't have money for breakfast. <laughs> my God. If that's the real-ish yeah, right there, that's yeah, real. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, the consistency that you speak to, the consistency that you speak of is what has led me to now I have a podcast in 150 countries to be able to have my own consulting company, to be able to be signed to a speaking agency to speak um, by the end of this year 50 times, right? So these are all things that happen, but it's what you're saying. And so I love the fact that you are highlighting those moments because I'm never shy in sharing you know, the duality of what success is because I don't want anyone to have the wrong idea and think that it is like Instagram and there is no hard, mm-hmm. hard um, path to that, so... Thanks for sharing. Sure. It's, I think it's really important to talk through these things. Cause also I think it millennials, uh, the message is like everyone can do it. And I think that it's very real to say everyone can do anything they want. It's not that you might not want to do it. That's the, that's the reality is it takes a very special kind of person to be an entrepreneur. And I don't mean that in terms of like, we're specialer than everyone. It takes a very a specific kind of person and you have to be willing to go through some very scary, very uneasy times and flow through them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I often say something, uh, you know, I, I say this for the end, right? The mission of my podcast is use your difference to make a difference. That's the foundation of everything that I do. I truly believe that our difference is something we should celebrate, not something we should ostracize. And I think it's, it's, part of actually it's actually the catalyst to what makes us um unique you always say you know you don't want people to uh to be clones you want them to be the original so yep i'm curious how do you in particular use your difference to make a difference i think my the biggest way is through kindness is through understanding um that everybody has their own story and their own unique context And so to be able to see every individual as an individual and understand that their reactions, their motivations, their dreams, their desires, their fears are all very, very unique. And that helps you not only be more tolerant 
and to be kinder and more open, but it also is exciting, you know, like you see the world through a very exciting lens where there's something interesting to be learned literally everywhere you turn and from everyone with whom you speak. So I think the mind of a of an insatiably curious storyteller is is where my difference is. Yeah, the mind of insatiably curious storyteller. So <laughs> we have had some of the greatest storytellers alone in the last generation. Uh, um, I, I'll reveal mine soon. But who is your favorite storyteller? Or if it's not one, who are your favorite storytellers? Mm, oh, my God. I have so many. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, like, a modern one would be Tom Robbins. I really like abstract fiction. So, mm. Tom Robbins, like, Still still Life with Woodpecker is a really great read. Um, Italo Calvino. Uh, so now going into like older voices, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Ernest Hemingway, um, Pablo Neruda is an incredible po- poet uh, from Chile. Um, let's see. <sighs> William Shakespeare. Let's go even older. William Shakespeare is one of my all time favorite storytellers. Um my God, there's so many. I'm like, I'm like looking at my library right now. Chuck Palahniuk. I love Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, and, and let's throw it like way back. The Sagas of the Icelanders is incredible. And it actually, it's from like, they were written in 1200 AD. And they are the basis for basically like, um, literary fiction it really really incredible well yeah. literary nonfiction, really right. incredible works so those yeah. are a few yeah no it's crazy so uh, you were saying i was like man i i don't know if mine compares to her but i mean <laughs> i love it doesn't uh, need to <laughs> I, I love the uh for me it's, it starts off at um aristotle and and socrates just because i was looking you know i, I do a lot of speaking and i love the the logos the ethos uh, and the pathos um mindset that they had you know persuasive persuasive speaking and, and get into mm-hmm. that so i studied a lot of that uh growing up and then yes now i i am unapologetically a jk Rowling fan i mean it's yeah I, I, I love she's JK. amazing yeah jk Rowling for me um I, I read her books as much as i can i read the harry potter series all the time i'm a i'm a ravenclaw uh t- 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 <laughs> that's amazing and tanahisi coates uh robert green uh and um obviously paulo coelho for me just because um, i love his, his style um but yeah and in terms of visual I, you know oprah for me I, you know oprah was was someone that played a, a very important role for me in my life and i have to yes, declare 2018 the year that i'm going to meet her <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Let's manifest that. Yeah, it's already been manifested. I, I superimpose my image on uh, Idris Elba's face on my Instagram, and, and Idris Elba was shaking her. And I was like, oh, I think you're saying mm, for a different reason. <laughs> uh, what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just talking about meeting her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah those are my those are my stories but thanks for sharing because um he definitely mentioned a bunch of people that i, I need to check out because I, I haven't i hadn't heard of them so i love yeah I love doing well that. and visual storytellers i'm actually in love with wes anderson i think he sees the world in a similar way that i do i love like colorful quirky interesting odd kind of situation so i'm yeah. a big wes anderson fan well, wes anderson is a legend yes <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. No, uh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, where can people find you and your podcast? And also, this two-part question, who are the people that can work with you? Because I imagine there are some people on the, on the show that might be have, but I'd be interested in working with you. They might have a problem. They don't, they don't realize they have a problem, but you're here to solve that problem. Here I come to save the day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, first of all, people who can stand me singing when I answer the phone, because I always go like, hello. Um, so if you hate that, we're probably not going to be a good fit, but you can find me at culturedpodcast.com. I would love everyone to join the Cultured Crew, which is just my gang of listeners. Uh, we're all culture vultures, and the show comes out every Sunday morning, and it's really fascinating stuff. So we're we're into our teens of episodes. So it's a new podcast, and I'd love for you to join the Cultured Crew at culturedpodcast.com. And it's really easy. You can click and play right on the homepage. The new episode is posted up there every single week. And then you can also follow Cultured Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And then you can find me as a consultant and a bubble of energy at michellecorey.com. So that's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-K-H-O-U-R-I. That's that Syrian last name. And then you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Actually, Instagram and Twitter. Facebook is for my personal self. You know what I'm saying? Right. So Michelle Corey <laughs> on there. Um, and then who I would work with, I mean, I don't like to put specific parameters around that, but I do specialize. I do have a focus naturally on artists, dancers, choreographers. Uh, so basically all kinds of creators and then also podcasters and podcast networks and production companies. So I do specialize in the realm of audio and arts and culture. But I don't say no to anything. I'd love to have a conversation if you need to approach telling your brand story or your company story in a different way. Awesome. Awesome. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. I just subscribed to your podcast, so um, I'll definitely be giving it a listen. And yes! Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Michelle, for being as authentic as you are. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for blessing us with your story of identity. Thank you. I appreciate you. The pleasure is mine. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.